God is good. And all the time, God is good. Uh, Well, I realized this morning in first service how old I was getting when I thought about Ricky and I said, I've known her now for 20 years. And I thought, wow, has it been that long? Um, What a wonderful gift and talent that she has. And uh, I've been blessed by it for a long time. Now you got to be blessed by it today as well. And then you'll get to hear from another friend of mine, Debbie, that I've known for about 20 years as well. And I've done some music over the years. And uh, Kathy, thank you so much for your family and sharing with us today too. I'm glad your family could be here today and uh, to bless us as well. Well, you have look like you've survived through the Christmas season. I say survived because I ran into a few of you out there Christmas shopping. And uh, we all had different looks on our face then. Uh, now we can sit here and relax that it's behind us. I know for me, it's, uh, I love Christmas, but boy, it's that, it's that push getting up to Christmas Day. And then the day after Christmas, it's like, oh. And then you can just kind of relax until New Year's. And, and, um, but I love the holidays, and I'm blessed by, by uh, my church family here and how you like to celebrate Christmas. And uh, it's fun watching people's faces walk through the door. Wow, this church knows how to do Christmas. And I say, yep, you are right. This church does know how to do Christmas. But now we've hit New Year's, and it seems so far away, doesn't it? Or was it just the other day? But maybe you've been planning your resolutions. What am I going to change this year? What am I going to do better at this year? How many pounds am I going to lose this year? You know, some of you relate to that comment as I think about how many pounds I want to lose this, this year. And now you'll be able to see every week how my New Year's resolution is working out. Of course, my poundage was to gain, not to lose. So um, I want to be a little more jolly, you know. So, But nonetheless, Happy New Year to you. Thank you. I, uh, I want to start this morning by sharing with you some words from, uh, from an author named John Ortberg. As I thought about um, kind of bringing to a close today the Christmas trilogy of beholding and believing and becoming... And we celebrate communion today. I want to share something that has, uh, will bring some laughter, but really drives home a, a serious point. He writes in his book, Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. That's the title of his book. A great book on community. And his first chapter opens with these words. In certain stores, you will find a section of merchandise available at greatly reduced prices. The tip-off is a particular tag you will see on all the items in that area. Each tag carries the same words, as is. This is a euphemistic way of saying, these are damaged goods. Sometimes they're called slightly irregular. The store is issuing you fair warning. This is the department of something has gone wrong. You're going to find a flaw here. A stain that won't come out. A zipper that won't zip. A button that won't butt. There will be a problem. These items are not normal. We're not going to tell you where the flaw is. You'll have to look for it. But we know it's there. So when you find it, and you will find it, don't come whining and sniveling to us. Because there's a fundamental rule when dealing with merchandise in this corner of the store. No returns, no refunds, no exchanges. If you were looking for perfection, you walked down the wrong aisle. You've received fair warning. If you want this item, there's only one way to obtain it. You must take it as is. When you deal with human beings, you have come to the as-is corner of the universe. Think for a moment about someone in your life, 
Maybe the person you know best, love most. The person is slightly irregular. That person comes with a little tag. There's a flaw here. A streak of deception, a cruel tongue, a passive spirit, an out-of-control temper. I'm not going to tell you where it is, but it's there. So when you find it, and you will find it, don't be surprised. If you want to enter a relationship with this model, there is only one way, as is. We are tempted to live under the illusion that somewhere out there are people who are normal. In the movie As Good As It Gets, Helen Hunt is racked by ambivalence toward Jack Nicholson. He is kind and generous to her and her sick son, but he's also agoraphobic, obsessive-compulsive, and terminally offensive. If rudeness were measured in square miles, he'd be Texas. In desperation, Helen finally cries to her mother, I just want a normal boyfriend. Oh, her mother says, and responds in empathy, everybody wants one of those. There's no such thing, dear. <laughs> When we enter relationships with the illusion that people are normal, we resist the truth that they are not. We enter an endless attempt to fix them, control them, or pretend that they are what they're not. One of the great marks of maturity is to accept the fact that everybody comes as is. Of course, the most painful part of this is realizing that I am in the as-is department as well. Throughout history, human beings have resisted owning up to that little tag. We try to separate the world into normal, healthy people like us and the difficult people. As is, Jesus has come to us as is. No matter where you find yourself or the person next to you, the person you live with, we all have irregularities, we're all broken, we're all sinners. And the good news of Christmas is that Christ came to us as is. He comes to us in our sin. He comes to us in our brokenness. He didn't wait until enough people in the world had it all together enough that we were good enough for him to come down. He came down because the world needed a Savior. The world needed to be saved. And when I say the world, I mean myself and you. We needed to be saved. The Bible says, Behold, a Savior is born to you, and you shall name him Jesus for he will save the world from their sins. Behold, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Believe. Believe. In 2010, what will you believe? Or maybe the greater question is, who will we believe? Jesus invites us to believe him. To believe what he says about life and about the world, that we need him and that we need a savior and he can save us from ourselves. See, my biggest hope this year is that where Jesus has led me in 2009, I won't be stuck for 2010. But that I will let him take me further into 2010 so that by the time I reach 2011, I will be more full of his love and his presence and his compassion in this life that I will let him save me from myself. And in believing, the Bible says that we get to become his children. Yet to all who received him, John writes, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. And in our believing, in our beholding of God, we become God's children, and that means we get to become a new creation. You see, I believe half of the gospel is that I'm forgiven for my sins. I mean, we can all say amen to that, amen? 
We're forgiven for our sins. But the other half of the gospel is we get to be a new creation. We don't have to be stuck with where Jesus found us. And that's what we, when we talked about the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruits of the Spirit, the new creation, that we will grow in the things we talked about of the love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, and the whole list. We will grow in being God's new creation. That's good news. Believe and to become. Paul wrote, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now, if you're anything like me, Sometimes you wake up on Monday morning, you sit on the edge of the bed, and you go, oh, man, I feel like I'm getting older. You walk over to the bathroom, and you look in the mirror, and you don't look much like a new creation. We walk by faith, not by sight, right? (laughs) Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. See, in 2010, just as every year, because God is faithful, He invites us into this new creation experience. He invites us into the experience of being made new, of having the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be made new. I think it was a year or two ago, one of my kids, you know, it was New Year's time, and they said, it's a time when you ask people what their New Year's resolutions are. And I love how the Spirit speaks through children. And one of my kids said to me, Dad, so what's your New Year's revolution this year? And I thought, you know, that's really what it ought to be about. The table before us is about a revolution that Jesus Christ started when he came to earth. The table before us of the bread and the wine, symbolic of his body and his blood, is a revolution. Jesus came and pronounced that the kingdom of God is here and the door is wide open for anyone who wants to live under the reign of God now and forever and to be his beloved. And he gave his body for it. He was broken for it. He bled for it. The table before you is a symbol of God's faithfulness to his covenant, to humanity, to save us, to love us, to forgive us, to redeem us, and to make us new. Behold, believe, and become God's new creation. I've always loved the words of Romans. Paul said, I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As we prepare to partake of the bread and the wine this morning, remember God's faithfulness. Coming in the Christ child, remember his faithfulness. As he lived his life here on earth, his faithfulness to the Father and to us, and as he died on the cross and was risen again, his faithfulness to you and I. Believe it. And in believing it, God invites us that we will also then become his faithfulness in this world. That we will become his love in this world. That's what the church is. It's his love and his faithfulness lived out in the flesh and the relationships that we live with. Behold his love. Believe his love. And become his love in a new creation. One of the traditions that we have in the Seventh-day Adventist Church is something we call the ordinance of humility, of washing one another's feet. 
This was an example that he gave us. And he said, we'll be blessed if we do this. To humble ourselves before each other. Remember that we are all equal at the feet of Jesus. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. That Jesus Christ is Lord and we serve one another. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Because of him, we have hope. As we start a new year, we no longer have plans and goals, but we have life. And God, we're so thankful. Uh, this is just love, and we just can't say anything else. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for the body. Thank you for the blood that is represented in the bread and in the grape juice. Again, thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. I want to invite you this morning to take a moment. Take the bread, symbolic of Christ's body for you. And take a moment of just silent prayer, meditation, and contemplate Christ's body for you. And the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I invite you now also to take the cup and the juice which is symbolic of Christ's blood for you, and for me, for the world. Take a moment in silent prayer and meditation and contemplate Christ's blood shed for you. In the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. God is good. And all the time? Mm. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Behold, believe, and become. Amen.